Good morning, and welcome back to another edition of the 2AM Podcast. My name is Daniel Goff, and these are my co-hosts, Harrison, Braden, and Nicholas. In this week's session, we'll be discussing topics such as global warming, because it's a hot topic, our youth group, because we're awesome, how to train your dragon, because it's truly amazing, and last but definitely not least, our takeout segment where we highlight needs in our community and give practical ways you can help. Now it's time for you to sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the 2AM Podcast. Before we get started on our usual segments, however, Harrison has promised us a jungle story. You may remember from last week's episode, Harrison told us that he used to be a missionary in the jungle, and now he has agreed to tell us one of his exciting tales today. Harrison, take it away. Thanks, Daniel. You know, I'm really glad to be back on the show. Um, not that, you know, like I'm like a permanent host or anything on here. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, I did last week promise that I would tell a jungle story. So I got one. Um, I asked the guys, you know, what they wanted to hear about. Giant snakes or piranhas and the I guess the census consensus was piranhas so that's what I'm talking about today so basically where we lived in the jungle we lived on a river right now this river depending on the time of year would be it could be really high and flowing with a lot of water or really dry not much water in it but generally you had these rocks you could walk out onto all across all in the river you could walk halfway across the river without getting your feet wet on these rocks right so we bathed, we swam, we did everything in this river. But in this river with us were piranhas. Now, I'm sure most people are aware of what a piranha is. If not, you can Google it. Um, our specific type of piranha was the black belly piranha. If anybody wants to look that up, I don't know. Um, so what we would do is we would actually catch piranha and we would eat them. So what we do is we go out at like right after sunset, so probably um, that in the jungle was generally about 8 o'clock every night because there are no seasons like we have here, so it doesn't change what time the sun goes down. So we go out, we take some like chicken skin with us or some form of meat that was left over from our mom cooking, my mom cooking dinner that day. We go out, we like to fish under these rapids next to our house. So we take a boat out onto this rock below the rapids, okay, and there's this big it's called an eddy. It's basically where water, when it's coming down, some of it will kind of go off to the side and swirl around. So it's like a dead zone with no current in it that is like pushing you out. And that's where all the big fish live. You want to catch some big fish, you go look in the eddies, especially at the bottom of these uh, rapids. So we go and you cast your line in, right? And you know, it's dark. You don't have your headlamps on and stuff because you don't want to scare the fish away. And you'll just be sitting there, right? Just in the dark, in the quiet. There's no noise or anything. And you're just waiting. And then you'll start to reel it in a little bit. And you'll feel a bite or two. And you'll a little bit more. And you just keep going. And then finally, you know, you'll feel it. You know when they hit. And so you grab, you go and you start pulling it in. And, oh, it's great. But, you know, it's so far out at that point. Like, you're reeling for a good minute or so before you get the line in. And, and we caught so many piranhas. Um... Uh, I don't know. I was going to say yeah, that's, what our, our biggest that's piranha incredible. is, but I, just I looked don't up one a picture feet. of so. this black-bellied piranha on Google, and man, they are intimidating. Like, fishing 
for that would be that'd be the exciting. I mean, I've done fishing before, and honestly, it's like so boring. I'm not a big fan of it, but fishing for piranhas sounds kind of exciting because like that thing could actually eat you. So I would probably do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's yeah. a great time. And you know, they got tons of razor sharp teeth in their mouth, right? So we actually on our on the ends of our fishing line, we have these they're like the thing of metal wire, right? It's basically so the piranhas can't bite through your line. So you put the hook on one end and you tie the air into your line. It basically makes your line bite proof. At least to some extent. You still lost lines all the time because of debris and stuff in the water. Um, but you had to have those or else the piranhas would just bite straight through your line and take your hook and meat with them. And uh, it was it was fun. And then, you know, we eat them when we caught them. So there's lots of ways you can eat a piranha. Um, it's a very bony fish. So it's a lot of work to eat. I mean, I've had piranha soup. Um, I've had fried piranha, filleted piranha. Nice. You know, you name it, we've probably cooked piranha that way. It is really piranha good. Piranha cuisine. It's by sounds, far, probably my favorite. It sounds good. It, it's probably my what second favorite. Does it taste like? Does it taste fish. like chicken or no? No, no, it doesn't taste like chicken. It's a. It tastes like fish, but it's a very clean fish taste. You know, like sometimes. You mm-hmm. go and eat catfish, and it tastes muddy, because catfish are bottom feeders. I don't know if you've ever had that, but that's what bad fish tastes like. Bad uh, catfish tastes like essentially. Well, because piranha eat other fish, it's got a very clean fish taste, which I well, personally sounds like. Good. I like fish, so I I thought it's I like great. that. That's a that's a great really story. I if if you can ever take oh, yeah. any of us piranha fishing, that would Thanks. be sweet. I don't know how, but. It'd be fun. <laughs> Listen. We got to talk David into going, taking a youth <laughs> trip to Suriname. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I mean, David might wow. die. All right. But that's, that's well, a chance I'm willing to take here. You would be able to take here. that risk because, I mean, you've been there, but. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't. What about the rest of us? <clears throat> we, we might want to. Yeah. Cut this section off before um, be we talk too much yeah, trash sure. about David. We just probably should bring faster. you girls with us. So thank you for that story, Harrison. That is absolutely incredible. That's now true. Let's that you're, you're move right. On you're with right. The normal segments of the show. Oh, of course. Mitch, you got it. Welcome to Politics 101, where we give you political insight on various issues all around the world. I'm Nitch, and this week we'll be discussing the controversial topic of global warming. Advocates of global warming usually claim that global temperature gradually rising will soon become so hot it will eradicate large amounts of life on the Earth, either by flooding, mass famine, disease, uh, possibly causing extinction of the entire human race. I would argue against that with the following nine points. Feel free to interject with any questions. My first point is between 94 to 98% of global warming is due to water vapor, which is not what they talk about getting rid of. You know, they talk about getting rid of CO2, which contributes barely 1% of global warming. And getting rid of water vapor would be almost impossible. Right. And that doesn't really make sense in, you know, going green. Yeah. 
That doesn't make sense. You want the water vapor. Mm-hmm, That's kind exactly, of important. Yeah. yeah, it's all about replacing the carbon dioxide with water vapor. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. My second point is that man emits 7 billion tons of CO2 each year. Um, How many tons do you think nature emits? Just take a wild guess, anybody. Like a billion? 40 billion? Yeah, like... Oh, man. Whew. Big number. 200 billion, actually. So, it... To destroy <laughs> nature would actually help our chances of surviving, in some cases, <laughs> from global warming. <laughs> Which is also, again, against what they would say is the right way to do it. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I, I'm just thinking here. Okay, right? Um, so, you're saying, you said that nature produces 200 billion tons of carbon, or CO2, sorry. Yep. It's late. Um, so, and we only produce, produce what? You said 7 billion, 7 billion tons yes. of CO2? So, I'm wondering, I mean, I, again, I agree with you. I think uh, global warming is pretty bogus. Like, I, it's kind of another fear-mongering tactic. I don't agree with it. But I'm just thinking here. Well, like, in theory, right, even though um, the nature produces that much CO2, right, what, in theory, you could argue that nature has a way to balance itself out of that, you know, that CO2. It deals with that itself because, you know, it's producing it with it. It faces it. And so, but the extra that humans are adding on to it is disrupting that order of yes. the cycle. Yeah. I, that's just a mm-hmm. point I'm noticing that seems like it might be argued. So I was yeah. just wondering if you have anything for that. It is argued Which you that can way. tell me. Yeah, it is. Know? They say that that 7 billion tons is what upsets the balance. Okay. You know, okay. That's the major basis for most arguments is that what we're adding to what nature's already so, adding yeah, is what's going to upset so the balance. So is there a possible the solution? Because you always hear solutions you know? about um, cutting back on the CO2 emissions of what humans are doing. But could we, is it in any way possible for us to cut back what nature is producing by 7 billion? <laughs> that might seem like a tall order, and I don't know how you would do that. But is it possible? <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, know. Just kill a bunch of trees. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure how you would go about doing that. Yeah, but then we have no oxygen, and we die. Then. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I'm not seeing any exactly. solutions here, oxygen. people. Scientists, period. This is why we're not global warming scientists, guys. <laughs> so, I've heard some people say that uh, exactly the world is actually it should be global cooling because like it's actually cooling down, which is like totally the opposite of global warming. So I just thought, like, do you have a take on? You know, is there global cooling? Yeah. Well, see, it's very political. It's changed a lot over the past 30 years. It's been like global cooling. Oh, no, you know, the world's going to freeze. Back in like 1980, they said, oh, no, the world's going to freeze. About 1995, they said, the world's gradually going to warm. And about 2015 or so, you know, so many people are going to die. And now, you know, it's 2020 and they're still saying, some people say, you know, that's why now they call it climate change. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so ambiguous. You can just say, oh, yeah, climate change. And it can mean yeah. warming or cooling. And, so like you're even, always on the right side right. of the argument. In the past you know? and his, throughout history, that makes there sense. have been 
periods where there's like uh, long years of very cooler weather and then you've got periods that are warmer weather so it's like do humans actually have an effect on it on the climate that much mm -hmm. or is it just a natural cycle of the earth well perfect that's actually my third point that we have gone through several cycles of temperature and we really have nothing to do with it the cycles they just happen like there's no no amount of co2 we can emit like reasonably like there is an amount we can emit that would destroy the earth but mm -hmm. in within reason we can't create that much at this point right so like back in the 1500s the medieval climate optimum is actually warmer than it is now it was like nine degrees warmer i think on average and it huh. was really good actually for everyone diseases you know all over that was when the dark ages were ending diseases all over were you know pretty much eradicated there were no more epidemics for a long time because of the warm weather it was able to people were able to fight off the disease much more easily crops were able to grow in like greenland even you know now greenland's almost completely frozen over they were growing all kinds of stuff in greenland during the climate optimum and huh. oh sorry I was just saying, huh? Okay, so <laughs> I was just agreeing. Sorry. And then you know, I think it. I've got it here. Let's see. Oh no, no, sorry, not fifteen hundred. About nine hundred was during the medieval climate optimum, and about thirteen hundred to fifteen hundred. That's when it started going into the little ice age, where suddenly everything is colder, diseases start coming back. That was where the the Black Death. You know, that's that was a lot of that was during this little ice age greenland froze back over right yeah and then about 1850 it started warming up again and then i think like 1920 or so 1938 we have another cool period and you know you see just these cycles that go back and forth and back and forth they are getting shorter as we go mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. i would say we can't so, do anything to change those do you think that we're in a period of cooling that. now i mean with the it's corona any, and stuff yeah. like that's kind of a big <laughs> pandemic type thing do you think that might be kind of like the black death because of global cooling uh i would think we're still sort of in a warming period it's possible it's coming to an end you know like you're saying mm -hmm. but there's not much evidence to really prove that right. yet. I I just don't think it's substantially cooled off enough. Mm -hmm. Like the average temperature, like on the graph, you know, the average temperature hasn't started lowering. Once that starts lowering, you know, we'll be kind of in the next cycle. And it's not a bad thing. These are, it's good that it's in cycles, you know. Right, right. It yeah. improves different things throughout the earth. There need to be cycles. I would right. argue, I would argue that actually I'm the one who believes in climate change. And they believe the opposite, that it's just gradually growing warmer and warmer and warmer, or cooler and cooler and cooler, where I believe yeah. the climate changes, you know, the cycle after cycle. Definitely. Rather than a continuous... Yeah, I think what, what I, and I think yeah. from what I'm hearing, you too, and probably most of us in this, we would say we believe in climate change, but we don't believe in humanity-caused climate change. And they believe in people who argue it believe in more humanity yeah. caused climate change 
Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. the climate's going to change, we can't do much about it. I mean, it's just going to change. Most of it is actually caused from the sun. I mean, that's where all the heat is coming from. And so when there's a solar decline, I think they call it, or a solar incline, that's a lot of times what decides what, when it's going to be warmer, when it's going to be cooler. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. What's some other points you got, Niche? Uh, let's see. We kind of talked a little about my fourth point. It, during the cool period of, you know, the 80s, they said, you know, global cooling, and now they switched to global warming. So their whole basis for argument completely changes, which is an, another reason I can't listen to people talk about that, because their argument is constantly changing. When something that would support global cooling happens, suddenly, you know, they support that. When something supports global warming, they support that. So I would think you need to pick a side and stick with it <laughs> if you're going to have a valid argument. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. My fifth point is talking about the Kyoto Protocol. Do you guys know the Kyoto Protocol? Yes, I do, actually. I learned about that in it. chemistry. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it just a minute? Or uh, You'll have to... Um, it has been a bit since I finished school, so <laughs> you'll have to correct me on a few things, most likely. Yeah, go ahead. But was the Kyoto Pro Protocol put in place to prevent the ozone layer from collapsing? Yes, that's correct. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. The, several of the okay. most powerful nations got together and said, we need to decide who's emitting the most CO2 and cut that. But see, the major flaw in this was that this was also a very political conference, Yes. And so they got to it's decide who was exempted from these protocols uh -huh. and who was not. And, of course, you know, the United States was not exempted. We were subjected to the strictest protocols, which caused, I think I've got it written down here, 2.4 million Americans to lose their jobs. And it raised the average price to live in America to $2,700 higher than it was before each year. So they were exempt. And no other countries were subjected to anything like this. <clears throat> Very interesting. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah, definitely. So something that maybe had a noble intention was shot down by politics. Yeah. That seems like that happens. Yeah, the it way does. it is with most of this like uh, global warming stuff or climate change, whatever we're calling it at this point, you know? Mm -hmm. It seems like like some people have good intentions. They're like, Okay, let's you know, let's preserve the earth, let's be good stewards of what God's given us and take care of this but then it just turns into a political debate. Because yeah. of, well, politics. That's why. Mm -hmm. And people yes. don't agree on anything. So that's normally how it goes. Yeah. Sadly, yes. Yeah, sadly, politics is a huge driving force. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Well, moving on. We pretty much, that's pretty much the seventh point, too. Talking about, you know, how many people lost their jobs and politics being involved. And my eighth point is actually possible benefits of global warming. Like, this would not be a terrible thing. It could bring us back to that medieval climate optimum, you know, where diseases uh -huh. would be much more easily eradicated. We could grow, like, citrus fruits and things, again, in places where we were never able to grow those kind of stuff. So, and, let's see, crops would produce 50% more while using less water and less fertilizer. And their efficiency in producing oxygen would be greatly increased because of the large amount of CO2 that they would now be using. 
plants huh. actually perform more efficiently when more CO2 is being output by man. Yeah. Right, because they take it in and use it for like, their opposite things. Opposite of what yeah. most people think it would actually benefit. Yeah. I think I've heard that a couple times, but I don't hear that much. That it actually benefit instead of hurt. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Which, yeah. All right. And my moving into my ninth point, the fate of the world rests in God's hands alone. Like, we... We can't cause the fall of Earth on our own. That would be God's decision. You know, we can't we can't destroy the Earth unless God wants it to be that way. You know. All right. I think that's all the time we have. I'm Nitch, and this has been Politics One Hundred and One. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another segment of Youth News. What have we got this week, fellas? Well, we've got many things this week. Um, first of all, in youth news, is that our Zoom call is going to die in 10 minutes, so that's good. Very mm-hmm. pertinent news. Uh, don't know how so, to do that. Uh, we have a very limited, we have a specific set time that we have to finish this in. So if you notice a weird cut, there you go, guys. Um, <laughs> well, Zoom, stop giving us free meeting time. Basically. So this week on youth news, we've got a few things. Um, do you guys want to jump straight to the day, the weekly David quote, or do we want to do some other talk about other things first? I say we just go for it. Okay, Daniel, All right. would you like to deliver our David quote? Uh, I delivered it last week. I think you got it. Oh, all right. Well, you'll have to you'll have to make sure I'm correct on this. Now, the guys, this is a fresh quote. That last one, we don't know when it was quoted last, but. This one, this one's from today, guys. The day of filming, right? It's still today. It's still today. And seven minutes will not be today, but it's still today. It's, you can do it. Just don't tell me about it. And that's our David quote of the week. Basically, yes. right? That's basically it. So to throw this in context, what was happening was today we were helping David move because he's moving houses. And so at his new house, he has a bunch of cool trees. And me and Harrison wanted to climb them. So we asked him if he was okay with us climbing them. And he said, I'm totally okay with you doing that as long as you don't tell me. And then basically he told us to forget that we ever had this conversation. And we went and climbed trees. So basically, just don't tell him what you're going to do. And he's fine with it. As long as it's not like super crazy. That's basically what I got from the conversation. Also... We totally are not making recorded proof that we talked to him and then climbed trees. So everybody listens. Shh. Don't tell him. I hope he Very probably true. doesn't listen. Nah, he'll, he's definitely going to listen. Who doesn't listen to the 2 a.m. <laughs> podcast? Let's be honest, guys. <laughs> yeah, right. Only like 7.9 billion people in the world don't listen. Nah, I'm sure it's less than that. Um, <laughs> so time for our actual news because we do do that sometimes kind of so yeah really nothing news happened but we're just gonna keep telling the same things until something new does happen so utah the utah trip this summer has been canceled it's not happening we're just sad we're all sad about it it's unfortunate um but arlington which may happen may not happen we don't know yet has been moved back to the week of utah which i don't know the dates on that do you guys know the dates on that 
July, middle of July. That's all I know. Yeah, that's yeah. all I know too. And so it's gonna be brutally hot, <laughs> like over a hundred degrees in Texas in the middle of July, dead center of summer. Yeah, you all who oh, went, boy. you thought it was hot in spring break. Oh boy, <laughs> here we it's go. It's gonna be, it's gonna be fire. And the best part is because of the whole coronavirus thing, David thinks we might just be doing service work this time. Which yeah, that would stink. I don't want to remind you guys, but service work usually involves manual labor, and if it's outside, outside manual labor, <laughs> just in the heat. Yep, just stay hydrated, to get guys. Sweaty. Oh, it's gonna be fun. Mm. Basically, start spending some time outside so you don't die when that happens. Yeah, everyone, Prepare bring your yourself. muscle shirts so you can, you know, while we're working, stay cool and look good at the same time, and It'll get a great. serious sunburn. Yeah. No, it's just it's all about the tan, Daniel. It's all, all about, about the, tan. the tan. Amelia, don't yeah, listen to this advice. You will die. Painful couple days to get that tan. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> you know what they say beauty's painful. So. <laughs> Who says that? I have never. You never that heard that? No. Pain- nope. Yeah. What is it? No, no, no. There's a quote. What is it? It's the. That's you, dude. No, no, no. <laughs> no I'm- all right, now you got me googling it. Harrison's um, junk right, Google it. It's like beauty hurts or something. Beauty hurts. I swear it's a thing that people say. I don't think he's going to find it. Well, while you guys are searching, we'd like to shout out a youth member this week. This week's shout out goes to Mr. J. You all know him. He's great. We love him. Thanks for being a great guy, Jay. Um, oh, okay. Here it is. There's a song called Beauty Hurts, but it is also an old French saying. I don't want to butcher it. Do you got it, Harrison? Uh, I'm looking for the French saying part Because you're, this. like, doing French on Duolingo, right? I, I am. Where did you find the... It says it's a French saying. I can't find this on my Google. Yeah, um, it's a French saying. Like, I don't even know how to say that. Hang on. Let me try to find it. Oh, fuck. So <laughs> no, no. Oh, I'm boy. Sorry. Hang on. I'm sorry for any French people out there. I just butchered that. I just clicked I, oh. it. Uh, okay, so. What? It's. It's. No. Il faut souffrir pour être belle. Be, il, il faut souffrir pour être belle. Maybe? Yeah. Be, okay, be, so, you know, something, something like that. that. Something like that. You know? Which roughly yeah. translates to beauty is pain. See, I told you guys it was a thing. <laughs> Okay, fair. Sorry. To be fair, we aren't studying French. You are. So. I didn't get that from French class. I don't even know where <laughs> I had that from, but it's just in my head. So. Okay. Okay. Then. Yeah, and I totally butchered French. I'm sorry. It's okay. I butchered it too, I'm pretty sure, so. <laughs> <laughs> Not as bad as me. You have some air of a French accent. Well, thanks. I try. Um, we had another point in here, didn't we? What was our other thing we were talking about? Uh, let's see. David mentioned maybe starting a softball team type thing. So we go all oh, yeah. go play softball, you know, in a big field or something or at the park. While practicing uh, social distancing, just to be clear, David's not condoning yeah, yes. not social distancing. It's a safe it sport. It would be a social distancing because it's not a contact sport. So we're good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Except that you're touching the same ball and bat. But also, the um, CDC, after saying that the coronavirus could transmit over surfaces, released another statement. It was, I think, last week or two weeks ago. They said the coronavirus probably doesn't spread as well as I thought on surfaces. 
So, I mean, I guess it would be relatively safe. I, well, I've heard news. David say, like, wearing masks and gloves while playing, you know, yeah. so we're not touching the surface. I, I and can't stuff. imagine running in a mask, though. Yeah. I don't. And breathing and having sweat all up in your mask. Ugh. Honestly. I've seen people running with masks. Yeah. Mm. I've seen the people running with, like, the big full on mask. But, like, at least, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm mountain biking and it's colder outside, I wear a gaiter over my face to keep my ears warm. And I usually have it layered twice just because they're not very thick. And I say it's equally as thick as my mask is. And my mm-hmm. mask doesn't bother me either, just like the gator doesn't bother me. So I don't know. I guess it's okay. got diff- to be different for some people because I really don't have it. Like, it, they don't bother me at all to wear. But I understand a lot of people can't breathe in them, which is weird to me. But I don't know. Maybe I just have yeah. strong lungs. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to conclude our segment for this week's Youth News. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Spoiled Strawberries, where we review things like movies, music, games, books, and whatever else we want. I'm Brayden, and this week we'll be reviewing the praised animated film, How to Train Your Dragon. Guys, how would you rate this movie? I'm totally going... I'm very close to a 10 out of 10. Yeah, honestly, like, it's a 9.5 for me, personally. Like, yeah, it's almost, almost perfect. I mean, there's a few parts in, like, the second movie. The, sec- the second movie's not my favorite. Um, I mean, it's, don't get me wrong, it's not a bad movie by any means. It's still a really good movie. Mm-hmm. But it's just, there were a few parts that I was like, okay, it's, it's okay. But, so I give it, the series as a whole, 9.5. Nice, nice. Yeah, I I agree with the series as a whole at a nine point five. I might I might write the first the first movie a little bit higher, but yeah, a solid nine point five. Yeah, I haven't actually I seen so. the. I've only seen the first one, and judging by what I'd seen, I give it a pretty high. Um, oh yeah. Rating maybe nine point six, nine point five, something like that. Yeah. Okay, Getting yeah. really close to perfect. It was really well made. Uh, yeah. I would... It's honestly... It's been one of my favorite animated movies and movie trilogies. Animated movie trilogies for the past three or four years. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would say it's one of the best. It is one of the best trilogies. I agree. I really enjoy it. Me and my buddy, we grew up watching the first one. We watched it so many times, and we never got tired of it. It was incredible that I don't yeah, it's hate hard it. To get tired of. Yeah, it's awesome. And then the second one, like I said, it was an okay movie. Like it wasn't bad. It was really good actually compared to some movies, but it wasn't my favorite. And then the third one that has recently come out uh, this last year was. It was incredible. I thought the third one was really good and had a very satisfying ending to the trilogy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. Satisfying, but didn't, but left you a little bit wanting, which is perfect. Oh, it is. That's exactly what you perfect. want. And I will say, one of the strongest points of the three movies is the musical score. Oh. John Powell did the most incredible job on it. It's. I listened to it a lot while studying, and it's... One of the best, if not the best, like musical scores for a movie. 
It's really good. The musical score is incredible. I love it. How it didn't get an Oscar. Mm. It's truly Sad. Amazing. I don't know. <laughs> so, so good. It really is. I mean, it wasn't a year with a lot of other good, good musical scores for movies, but I still think it should have won. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It was, it's incredible. I love it. Oh, yeah. And the way they've, like, the way they've kept us, like, so we obviously, we are, I personally, I saw it back when it first came out. Like, I went and saw it in the theaters, right? And I watched it when I was little. And then the second one came out, and I'm a bit older. And I still liked the second one. This one, the second one was still good. And then the third one, they still kept me there and watching the third one. And I'd happily watch the third one again several more times. Oh, yeah. Because it was incredible. The way they really matured it with their audience was really well done. They could have done like a lot of movies do where they keep it dumbed down. It's just for the new people every time, even though it's a sequel, right? Mm-hmm. Not How to Train mm-hmm. Dragons. They kept it going. There's a coherent plot through it all, and it was just really good. I really liked it. Yeah. Have any of y'all ever watched the uh, How to Train Your Dragon show? I think it's called the uh, Which Race one? to the Edge. Oh, I love Race oh, I to saw the Edge. Yeah, dude. That one I was saw good. A little bit of that, yeah. There was also one, actually, um, before Race to the Edge. I forget what it's called. Um, really? Yes. So it was still when they were little or younger, right? Before they got their updated models from season from uh, mm-hmm. the second movie. And I never watched all of it, but it was really good, too. Um, and Race to the Edge is amazing. That's a great, yeah, it is. great show. Um, highly recommend both of those if you want some more How to Train Your Dragons yeah. content. And wasn't it uh, based on a book, I believe? Uh, that sounds right, but I don't I know. I've never read the book. Yeah, but if it is, I would I would read it, even though I have it. Mm-hmm. Right? But... Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would too. If it's as good. <laughs> yeah, generally, generally books are better than the it's movies. True. But yeah. getting better than How to Train Your Dragon would be a tall order. Mm-hmm. Right. So, it says here that there was an original book series by um, Chrisita Cowell, it looks like, um, that was released in 2003, was when the first book was released. It goes, it's under the same name, How to Train Your Dragon. Um, well, I'm not seeing any reviews on it, so I don't know. Okay. But that is what it's based on. Oh, here's one. Uh, according to Goodreads.com, how I Train Your the f- book got a 3.9 out of 5 stars. So, I mean, just it's not, bad. not incredible, not horrible. Yeah. But. Yeah. I would give it a read. I, I, I would, yeah, for sure. Good quarantine hobby. Yeah. That's true. Uh, and there, I think there's multiple. Looks like it's a series. Uh, Don't know how many books are in it, though. Yeah, yeah, I wonder how long, really I wonder cool. how long they are. Like, are they? I don't know. I mean, are we talking like Magic Treehouse length, you know, like super thin, or are we talking more like know, right. a little bit thicker? I would think that they would be a little bit thicker. No, considering that they made like six hours worth of movies. Exactly. On it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Unless they like expanded beyond what the book did. Which is very possible. Um, I'm looking at this page here about the books. And it says, while the movies were inspired by the books, 
they basically have no resemblance of each other. Like they're not. It's not a based on. It's more of an inspired by uh, okay. thing. So yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, and it was written for children and young teens apparently. So there you gotcha. go. I don't know. Still sounds Let's like see. a pretty good book to read. Cool. But yeah, no, no. Yeah. Sounds sounds like a good read. I don't know how long it is. I'm trying to find it, but I'm not seeing anything. Yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. But regardless of the book, it's a great movie. Yes, definitely. One For of sure. the best. Totally. I would say it's the best animated film in the past like 10 years. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I'd have to agree. It was really good. I don't know where I'd rank it among like the original Pixar films, like Incredibles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Finding Do- Finding Nemo, <laughs> those ones. Those are they're up there yeah. too. Yeah, like for a DreamWorks, that's it's like probably the best one. That was back in DreamWorks' yeah. heyday. Mm-hmm. Back mm-hmm. Kung Fu Panda trilogy, right, another Panda great movie. movie. Yes, right. That Train Dragon trilogy. Um, some people say the Trek, the Shrek trilogy. I personally have never really watched those films, yeah, me but neither. me neither. Yeah. I've heard some people say they're good. Some people hate them. It kind of just depends on what you like. It looks like so, but some people yeah. do like them. Uh, for the third one's horrible, but whatever. I saw an animated movie the um not too long ago that was really good. What? Oh yeah, I remember Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. That yeah. that's. I- I haven't seen that one. Really, dude. It's, honestly, it's, it's incredible. So good. The animation that they did on that, it was impressive. It, I. It was so cool and just it was it was really good. I think that I would probably give Spider Man into the Spider Verse a ten out of ten. Like I, it, I really love that movie. Yeah, that's, it's incredible. That's how good it was. Dang. It was. I've a seen lot of it people, like three times. It was definitely yeah. a good movie. A lot of people write it off because it's animated, and a lot of people, for whatever reason, just think all animated movies are, you know, children's movies. But it's really not true. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But that is not for today. Today is How to Train Your Dragons, so maybe we can yes. talk about that another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, save that for another spoiled strawberry mm-hmm. episode. Yes. Alright, well, that's our take on How to Train Your Dragon. I'm Braden, and this has been Spoiled Strawberries. Welcome to Takeout, where we give you practical ways to take out the love of Christ into your community. So this week's highlight is going to be doctors and nurses, because they are on the front lines of fighting the coronavirus in this time. And because of this, they're facing a lot of hard times. For one, they are having to work more hours because there are more patients and stuff like that. And there's also some nurses and doctors that have lost their jobs because non-essential medical procedures and appointments are being put on the back shelf and not allowed to take place. And so hospitals are not getting as much money and they're having to lay off people. So that's another problem. And they're very much exposed to the coronavirus more than the average person because they're in the hospitals every day helping the COVID-19 patients and the other people in the hospitals. 
And with being exposed to the coronavirus, it makes it hard for them to visit their families in a good consciousness because they know that they could be infected and be carrying the coronavirus. For example, there's this one nurse, uh, Kyle McBride, and he posted a picture of him with his hand on a glass door and his, I believe it was his four-year-old daughter on the other side with her hand up to his on the glass door. And it went pretty viral. And it just shows the hard decisions that nurses are having to make in trying to protect their family from getting COVID-19 and being exposed to it. So some ways you can help the doctors and nurses that are on the front lines in the fight against the coronavirus are to give meals and snacks or goodies to them and even order takeout meals from restaurants for them. In this time, since they're working so much, they don't really have time to sit down and cook a nice meal or have a long dinner time because they're working hour after hour to help the overflow of patients from COVID-19. And so it's nice to get a good home-cooked meal or even just a takeout meal from a restaurant like Chick-fil-A or somewhere like that. And then two, you can call them and talk to them. Much like you can call the elderly people in nursing homes like we talked about last week, calling them and sending letters to nurses and doctors is a great way to encourage them. And this is a good way to thank them. Because I feel like it easily slips our minds a lot how much nurses and doctors actually do for us and how dangerous what they are doing is in being willing to put themselves where the COVID-19 infections are most likely to happen. And so thanking them for what they're doing, for being willing to go into that environment and being willing to put in more hours, is thanking them for that is, I feel like it slips our minds too much and we need to do it more often. So just being consciously aware of how much they do for us and being practical and thanking them for that. And then another way is to donate money to fundraisers for health supplies like gloves and masks. Because there is a large shortage of these things, as I think most of you probably know, with all the precautions that are being taken, there are a lot of masks and gloves being, they're going through them quickly and faster than they can produce them. So donating money to fundraisers for these supplies is a great way to help the nurses and doctors get the supplies that they need to be able to protect themselves and protect their patients. And one last way is, well, I've got two more, but one other way is to offer to babysit their kids. And this is a, this is a kind of different because you need to make sure that you don't have COVID-19 first because if you had COVID-19 and went to babysit their children, that would totally, it would kill the, kill what you were trying to do because you would risk their children getting infected as they are trying to not infect them and taking precautions around their children. So first of all, make sure you don't have COVID-19. Also, this takes a bit more of sacrifice 
a sacrifice of time and a sacrifice of effort, but it is really it really helps a lot because they are having to work more, and it's good for them to be able to not have to worry about their kids or pay for someone to come babysit them. So volunteering to babysit is a great way. And lastly, but of course, not least, is to pray for them. This is going to be a constant theme throughout all the segments of the takeout segment because praying is one of the best things we can do for people who are in need and for people who need help. So those are some practical ways that you can thank and help the doctors and nurses. That's really good, Daniel. I like all of those. Um, yeah, I mean, they're on the front lines right now. They're the people out there taking care of it, you know, trying to get us back onto, well, what was normal. Imagine it won't be normal anymore, you know. We're going to have a new normal after this, but, you know, get us back to a place where we can see each other in person, which would be fun, so. This has been the takeout segment. And I would encourage you to continue to think about these things through the week and think about other ways and other groups of people and ways that you can help them because it's very good to be conscious about other people's needs and how we can help them. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our discussion. I hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of the 2AM Podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can contact us at our email, iheartthe2ampodcast at gmail.com. Also, check out our Instagram account at the2ampodcast to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and any other announcements we might make. We really appreciate all the support you give to our podcast. Be on the lookout for next week's episode. Till then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Thanks for listening, and good night. Or should I say good morning?